Um, why don't you? Um, I'm just gonna put the spreadsheet inside the chat. Cool. And I'll why just... don't you um just add yours to it, and then you can read off mine because mine is formatted nice. Okay, perfect. Sounds good. Oh, oh, I need uh, edit access. I was like clicking. I was like, what's wrong with my keyboard? Oh. <laughs> no, I'm fully Wednesday. vaccinated. In yeah, in like two weeks. Oh, nice. Yeah, when I get mine on Wednesday. Nice. Yeah, we could do it in person soon then. Yeah. Fuck, I don't know how to do that though. Yeah. It's gonna be we'll just sit sit around just a table with our set computers. Up a, yeah. Set up three laptops <laughs> in the same room. A distance away from us. We'll just rent three rooms next to each other. I have like a ghetto camcorder from 2001. We should just release it on that. Is the document working for you, Adrian, by the way? No, I still don't have access. I've got you in here. So there's an Maybe anonymous gotta... IBEX and an anonymous. Like uh, it's, it just says view only. I'll, I'll do request access again. Is that like an email I get? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you probably already got one. So that, that might explain why um, nobody else filled in predictions. But when I click share, it yeah, said it's anyone just... on the internet with this link can view. Oh. Open wide for some soccer! <laughs> Edit. That's the best. Uh, I, okay, try it now. I'm not even gonna. I check think that's email. a that's our that's our cold open there. No, it's still. <laughs> I'd roast you, but I messed up the time of this episode by an hour. So yeah, straight up. Okay, I think. Up. Let me double check here. I think I can. Maybe not. Hey. Okay, we're good. France and Germany and Portugal are playing. The fucking shade. France and Germany and Portugal. I know. I forgot about Hungary. What about Hungary? Well, seriously. <laughs> what What about Hungary? <laughs> They're playing. They are playing. And you know what? They're going to try. This, this group is really important I... because um, the second place of this group gets the honor of knocking out England when they win their group. <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting, actually. That sucks Hon for England. Honestly, I think, I think for England, though, like, I don't know. There's a lot of there was a lot of hype and good feelings about them getting to the like the semifinals of the world cup but i think mm -hmm. you know, like for me that's dampened by the fact that it was a, an easy ride there like they had relatively little opposition getting there so i don't know that that dampens it for me like if they go out to france like fair play you know it, it's yes. disappointing but fair play if they beat france like holy fuck like if they beat france and went out the next round i think that would be better for them than or more impressive than the semifinal run Welcome to Soccer Group Chat. Nick, Adrian, Hope here talking Euros and whatever else. Uh, what a time to be alive. But the thing is, Adrian, with your point, with uh, England's ride to the World Cup, is like I was watching England and it just brought up such good memories of like of that World Cup and like that run, just going out to the pubs and, and watching the game with the boys and that song, uh, you know, football's coming home, just ringing out around. And it was great. And like, I missed that, that so song much. like me? <laughs> I still no for some somehow it never got to it never got on my nerves. Um, I guess maybe because Italy wasn't in the tournament, it was like I was watching the whole thing as like a neutral and mm. kind of started pulling for England. But I mean, it was fun. It was fun times, and I miss it. And I hope we can do that again at some point before this tournament's over. Uh, before we get too deep into that, then uh, Hope, you wanted to talk about Concacaf a little bit more, right? I mean, I don't really want to talk about CONCACAF, but I think it's important that we uh, not forget where we're from, at the very least, based on our accents. Uh, so, 
while we talk about Euros all the time, what's super important going on right now, other than the Euros, is World Cup qualification uh, on the CONCACAF. And, and Canada still has the opportunity to make... Uh, well, it's not the hex anymore, but the final eight in CONCACAF that will compete uh, to qualify for the World Cup. They actually, they're actually coming off of a victory over Haiti. Uh, over the weekend on Saturday, they won 1-0 over Haiti in Haiti, uh, which was a very controversial um, occurrence because last time Haiti hosted a match uh, in their home country, the opposition team bus was taken hostage. Um, <laughs> the match okay. was postponed yet still played the same day seems like Canada came out fine um, uh, but yeah they only came out with a 1-0 win against Haiti uh, there was a lot of criticisms about the maybe the play the refereeing um, the pitch itself it was like a it, it was an artificial pitch you could see you could see the rubber coming up as if it was like the field at uh, Lamport Stadium uh, but regardless, they came out with a one nil win, but, uh, today's Tuesday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tonight they play the second leg of that match. Uh, and if they come out with a victory or a draw, then they are on to the final eight and will be competing for a spot in the world cup in Qatar in 2022. So that's, that's honestly really big because I think Canada, the last time they made the world cup was before our days. And, um, and while I know you guys, you guys don't really follow uh, the Canadian national team, maybe not at this point. Um, I pose the question to you guys, why not? Why don't you guys keep more of an eye on the Canadian national team? Is it because they suck? Is there a level of success that needs to be met before you'll give them your attention? Or is Canada just not, is soccer not ingrained culturally in Canada that you guys, it's, it's not important enough to care until they're, quali- they're qualified and competing for something of note? Okay, if I could jump in on this, um, I have a few reasons. I have a few answers to this question. I, I think the main thing for this Canadian national team, especially this year, I feel like this is the first year just because of everything that's gone on in the world the past year where there's so many events kind of condensed into this particular time, right? We have the Euros, which dominates everything. Uh, We have Copa America going on too. We have this World Cup qualifying. There's, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs are going on and I have a a particular investment in that this year. Uh, There's the NBA finals going on. There's baseball. There's everything. And... So it's a little bit of a distraction. Uh, there's also this thing called sleep, which uh, we, we have to sometimes sometimes do. And then it's, it's a weird thing in this country, in Canada, because, you know, this is the best Canadian team we've ever had, right? This is, the, well, on the men's side. Oh, we haven't made least. the World Cup yet. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, they have all these young players, all this potential. But there's no, the games aren't on traditional television. So, and this is a problem because, you know, right now we need a subscription to one soccer to watch the games. We have to stream them illegally. And, you know, a team like this with a program that's kind of ascending, uh, you know, I see this on Twitter all the time, people talking about it. It's kind of a shame that, you know, Canada versus Haiti isn't on, you know, CBC or TSN or Sportsnet or, or CTV at 7 p.m. Um, and I could just flip on my TV and, and watch it. So I think that's that's a big problem and uh needs to be rectified and uh hopefully hopefully uh when they continue on like it's definitely easier to like it's not that i don't follow it because i keep up with it on like you know twitter and reading articles and stuff like that but it's just that the games are difficult like they're more difficult to watch 
than they should be. And I think that's a barrier for a lot of people, uh, including myself, to actually watching and getting invested in the game itself. Are you talking about, sorry, I'll, I'll let Adrian jump in afterward because you, you're talking about accessibility of broadcast. And is it because you're looking for English broadcasts in particular? Because otherwise, every other qualification match has been available on YouTube for free, just not in English. Oh, damn. See, that's the thing. Like, I didn't know that I'm, until I'm right now. an outreach problem. Canada soccer is not making it a point to make you care, so you don't care. Are exactly. they like francophone games on YouTube? The, Haiti, the most recent Haiti broadcast in particular was streamed on YouTube for free via Haitian national television. Um, so th- it was their local broadcasters. But in, uh, during times when they were playing, I don't know, Jamaica or, or El Salvador, it was either, you know, those local broadcast teams. So in English or in Spanish or just no, uh, no audio commentary at all. And you just get the beauty of actual silence during a soccer match, which sometimes I think is uh, uh, sometimes can be more enjoyable than actually playing. So, so when you say that it's not, not immediately accessible for the average fan or, you know, a supporter of the national team, uh, you know, I just, I just argue that maybe it's more the case that, uh, Canada soccer is not making it a point to make it available to people because you know what you did mention one soccer I think one soccer is absolutely ridiculous a subscription program for your national team that, that has distribution rights to your national men's national team like should this not be on your national broadcast station <laughs> yeah they also have subscription to our national league so they have the CPL rights besides a few games here and there that are on CBC on weekends and they also have you know uh, French French Liga and other stuff like that. And, and when you couple that with the zone and how pricey cable and stuff already is, I mean, that's the thing. Like if you want Canada soccer wants to grow the game here. And if they really want to, I understand making money and, and all that, but like you, you got to make it accessible to, especially when you're going up against NHL, NBA euros at the Jays in this country specifically, uh, you're going to lose out, especially if the games aren't easily accessible. Like, why is TSN showing Chile, Argentina, but not Canada? <laughs> it's 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 weird. It's because, like, we do have a lot of people who would be interested in that game, like people from, from like, countries, like Latin countries or or stuff like that. So there is an interest there, but also, like, the quality of play is much higher. So I think that's one of the things for me is, like, yeah, quality of play is one reason I, I don't necessarily watch. I don't really watch a whole lot of international football in general, to be honest. Uh, it's just not what I follow. I do think that's something good about this podcast is that I've become more informed and I have like followed more actively now that it's like connected to a different activity. But I think for me, it is like a cultural thing in terms of culturally, it's not that big for Canada You know, they don't promote it very much like on the CBC and stuff like that, except for the women's team but the men's team doesn't have a very big uh, culture around it. And also with my dad being from England, it's sort of like soccer is a way that I've sort of connected to that. So that's why I feel like I follow England more closely. And also I'm mainly like a club supporter. Like if I could pick England to win the world cup or Newcastle to win the FA cup. uh, Yeah. Newcastle all day. No question. (laughs) I'd much rather see that. It's also less probable. So uh, well, arguable. It's about even, <laughs> let's say. Um, yeah. So for me, culturally, like both in Canada, it not being a big deal and as a way to sort of connect to my my background and, and my the English side of my family, it's just more interested in what's going on over there. I feel like 
and hope you can you can chime in on this maybe i'm wrong but just a thought i had like maybe there's kind of like a bit of a similarity in terms of the canadian national team and the raptors when the raptors were kind of like still getting bigger and, and getting good where i feel like in canada there's this kind of mentality of it's like you have to convince me to watch it just because hockey is so dominant right like hockey will always be hockey and the blue jays they'll always be the dominant sport no matter what um sports no matter what but for something to infiltrate that market and and get the viewers i feel like the canadian national need, needs to like go on a run uh make a world cup and only then are are the broadcasters going to kind of be like okay maybe we should start thinking about really pumping this um, whereas until they do that, it's kind of an afterthought like the Raptors were until they started, you know, winning and having a good team. And then all of a sudden, uh, they attract the eyeballs and, and now it's like this big thing. So I don't know, maybe there's like a parallel with there, with there. And then when they start doing well and when they start winning and, you know, beating, um, bigger countries and bigger teams, then it'll be a little bit easier to watch. Not saying that's right, but maybe that's, that's kind of my opinion on that. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I can draw a parallel between the Toronto Raptors and the Canadian men's national soccer team. Um, I agree with both of you that obviously success matters. Success matters at even at a club level or at a, or at a national level uh, in order for, you know, just even from the youth to the broadcasting stations to be interested in promoting, you know, what is honestly here a product to them, right? Canada soccer is a product to them. Only when it's successful will they try to, you know, draw revenue from it by pushing it. Um, what resonates with me more is what uh, with is with what Adrian said in that you know his dad's English soccer is a way to connect with, um, you know, that side of his family and, and you know they've been England Newcastle supporters for uh, a long time. And when we talk about things like why are they showing Argentina and Chile? on television and not the Canadian men's national soccer team. Well, you know, let's not forget where Canada's Canada's from. Let's a lot of the backbone of Canada are, are, you know, skilled, uh, skilled immigrant workers that have come to this country Uh, and soccer is a way to connect for them as well. And, you know, these are, this is a population and community that cares about uh, their soccer more than, more than our North American, not, I was going to say native, but not our native community, maybe not our native community, but our, our Anglo-Saxon <laughs> Canadian community uh, cares about soccer. Yeah, you're right. It's, I, I don't think it's ever going to take over hockey, but there are obviously um, uh, this, maybe, maybe this is something from my end, but like there are severe racial and socioeconomic issues with hockey uh, that, create barriers for people in this country that soccer does not i'm not saying soccer is a free sport um but hockey is absolutely not a free sport and hockey is absolutely um is as absolutely not a sport for the general people and which is why i like following the canadian national men's soccer team as you see guys like alfonso davies he's uh you know he is the canadian story he's 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 a refugee he's come to canada from alberta found success through sport uh and you know, you can, you can criticize the monetary side of uh, national soccer all the time, but you know, this is, this is what you want to encourage in Canada is you want people to be in this country to uh, embrace it, 
not not get rid of their roots but embrace their new home uh and and inspire people to succeed uh in that fashion whether in any sport but uh i think that's why i i follow canada more often than in the past obviously yeah i think that's a a really great point maybe we can end on that and uh go to the euros (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's leave Now let's uh, leave Canada. Okay. Yeah, after yeah. that, like thought-provoking. Okay, interesting. There's Great different shit, angles yeah. on this because uh, we always talk about the Euros. But hey, we said we always talk about it. So look at Nick's Durag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's actually funny. Like we don't have to put this in, but like when, yeah, when I was watching, I, I was watching the game with uh, Richard and Nat, and Gr- Gr- uh, not Grealish. Uh, Foden has something about his hair where they were like, yeah, waves. Nat, yeah, he like waves, yeah. waves. And that was like, he's been wearing a do-rag. He's been wearing it for like weeks. That's how you get that. Like you yep. can't get that without wearing that. I was like, oh man, that's- What? What did he have? He had, he had some... waves. Yeah. I don't do you know, know what he... waves are? So waves no. are, um, if you have, uh, honestly, Adrian could get waves if you want to, but it's like, it's a different thing. Like waves are like, it's like, obviously there's a difference between hairstyles and black hair, right? Yeah. Like black hair is an entity of itself. It's got its own community and its own economy. Um, it's very successful. Uh, but uh, waves is like waves is when you keep a do-rag on. Right. And the point of keeping the do-rag on is to train your hair to stay flat. But because of the natural curliness of the hair, by training it to stay flat, it stays flat. And when you take the do-rag off, it's flat again, but then it's wavy horizontally or even in circles or or in or, or in really really fun interesting patterns oh um, generally white people don't do waves one because it doesn't really work the same way yeah right? like I feel he's like our hair got, is too wispy i mean or... like you know it depends like obviously like phil foden genuinely had waves yeah they're not the same <laughs> but the, like by going through wow. the process the same way they are waves just his waves yeah i think it's also just funny imagining like i don't know if you guys have seen like phil foden without a shirt on like i saw him like playing in the street with his friend he's a fucking weird like he's so skinny like it's so just imagine him wearing a do-rag is is a very funny kind of thing thing to imagine when it comes to hair this is a ridiculous topic. And also a, an, an excellent documentary is good hair. Uh, and it's hosted, it's narrated by Chris rock. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but if you have no. seen it, if you haven't seen it, it's a fantastic watch. Um, but when I saw Foden dye his hair blonde and when I saw his waves, all I could immediately think of is um, what's his name. Was it the Galatasaray manager, the Scottish one soonest? Was he Galatasaray? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. Sunis, uh, he comically uh, criticizes Paul Pogba. And uh, Paul Pogba all the time gets criticisms because of his hair. Look at him dyeing his hair, cutting his hair in silly shapes, putting patterns in his hair. Why isn't he performing on the pitch? Excuse you, Phil Foden. Do you know how long it takes? <laughs> Do you know the commitment it takes? <laughs> okay. Yeah. For a person to get waves, not, not just a person, a white person to get waves. <laughs> Oh look, this is just a funny guy. Yeah, you know, like maybe because he's coming off PFA player, young player of the year, they'll they'll overlook it. Like, no, guys, like this is the same thing. We're just not criticizing Phil Foden for it. Um, I don't know for what reason why, uh, but you know, 
uh, let's just say there's been a campaign against black hair for a long time. And when Phil Foden does something like this, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's bad, but similar criticisms aren't met, especially by the public eye or the the people with uh, the microphones to their face and the broadcast time on television. And that's the thing, man, like you, you bring this up and I I remember watching the game, the, the color commentator. I, I don't know who, who I can't remember who it was, but kept like praising, basically praising Foden's hair and making a point to say like, Look at him with his blonde hair. He's confident now. He's doing this to show that he belongs in the school. And 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 I was always I was kind of watching and I'm thinking like, this is a bit weird. Like to point this out. Like, can you not just say that he's good? Like he's really good on the ball. He's he's fast. He plays with pace. He has talent. He's quality. But no, he's like his blonde hair shows that he he wants to stand out and prove that he belongs here and it's like i'm sure that he wants to stand out you don't do that without wanting to stand i mean i'm sure that's why phil dummett did it years ago (laughs) like fucking everyone does this yeah so so this this and ramsey did it and then you bring up like the pogba stuff and then you have the whole thing with the england fans like booing them taking a knee and it all kind of wraps up into like one as homer simpson says it wraps up into one neat little package and you uh kind of blew my mind with this uh this whole this whole thing that's going on yeah this like comparison to Gascoigne is is a little is a little tired too like sure like once or twice but but man it's it's definitely not praiseworthy and i mean the lesson in the end is like okay like let's let's not make a big deal about this but obviously more importantly it's like well that's one lesson but the more important lesson is like yeah racial racial bias and in commentary uh Speaking of England, Adrian, you um, speaking of pre- racial bias, you you <laughs> predicted their result uh, straight spot on. So good for you. Uh, yeah, well, the one nil seemed like I think we a lot of us were like, oh, it's a draw. It's going to be l- or low scoring because it's the first game in the group. It's the two front runners of the group that you'd expect to be out there. So we don't think it's going to be super big game. And then right before the game, as I was uh, going to go watch it everyone in our group chat was just like, oh, why is Sterling starting? Why is Sterling starting? So I kind of was like, well, I mean, now he's going to score. It's just one of those things. Uh, but if you think about it, like it does make sense too. Like I think in the England game, you saw how the ways that Harry Kane has changed his game at Spurs is really going to benefit England, I think, in these sort of games where uh, penetration is going to be harder to find. The midfield is outclassed when Harry Kane drops deep. You can have those uh, sort of inverted wingers come in and play a more uh, forward role and, and strikers role, which is kind of similar to what Raheem does at at City. It, it actually it worked out really well, and it, it makes a lot of sense. And it, it's nice. It's good, I think, almost that Harry Kane didn't get the first goal of the tournament because for from a fan perspective, at least, it's like, okay, good. Like, we don't want to be totally reliant on Harry Kane, especially because we are going to need him to, to drop out uh, or drop in and, and be a, a player for the team as well as a goal scorer. I was absolutely blown away by the performance of Calvin Phillips mm. um, before the tournament. I feel like there's always one player that everyone kind of falls in love with who maybe was a little bit unknown before and then gets a big move to a big club and flops um, I was 
gonna ask about that on the last episode, but I didn't. Uh, and maybe Calvin Phillips is that guy because he was he was phenomenal in a setting up that Sterling goal. Yeah, yeah, and he was he's tenacious all over the pitch, uh, like going in for tackles. Uh, some of them a, a little too much mustard on them, but he never got. I don't think he got booked, which is a great sign too, because he's he's going in hard and he's uh, he's being aggressive, but he's not being overly aggressive or undisciplined. He's just putting himself in there. A lot of great, just letting you know, just let him know you're there kind of tackles. I don't want to brag, but like, I'm just saying Calvin Phillips was one of the first names on my team sheet when we were talking about the England team, because mm. you know, he, he does his job and he does his job excellently. He's, he's an absolute workhorse. I think about what like uh, Simon said in our chat, when he's like, I don't see what everyone sees in Declan Rice. <laughs> When when we see Calvin Phillips bossing the midfield, and that's exactly what I, I think as well. Like Calvin Phillips is just you know just a fantastic blue collar player that like English fans are gonna love. I don't think he needs a transfer to Manchester United where where they're gonna like oh he's gonna be able to do the job that our two holding midfielders are supposed to do. I'm like no, like that's not the case. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you're right. People are gonna fall in love with him because this is this is exactly what you do in tournaments like this, uh, where you know when when especially in the group stage when you're just fighting for points, and if they get to the knockout rounds, and you're maybe outclassed by a Germany or a France, and you just need that one goal, like you need that guy in the midfield that's gonna that's that's fine being pragmatic back there and helping the defense and release for other players when you need to calvin phillips is a fantastic player i think i always think he's a fantastic player if if i can jump in because i have a lot to say about that too i think about calvin phillips it's important to remember though like he's not without class he's he's puts in some good passes and i think you can see how clean his technique is on his that volley shot that he had earlier in the first half just struck so nicely low hard it was a little too near the keeper to maybe look like it was going in but it did force a save that that took some effort and if the keeper wasn't on the ball at that moment could have very well snuck past him so excellent technique there i think he's the type of player you need to perform if you're going to go deep in a tournament like this those guys who aren't stars are just solid professionals another guy like that is tyrone mings i was very 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 happy with with what i saw there he was someone we were all dreading being in the team or at least a lot of the england fans in our group but I, I think what he did most of the time was keep it simple. He is a bit worrying about maybe lack of pace at times, but he every time it looked like he was maybe going to get caught out, he made a good tackle, so he was able to recover. We'll have to see how he does against more quality opposition, but I thought he played really well as well. And if I can jump in with one last player about Declan Rice... I think there is something there. I think the one time I clearly remember him doing something was in the, in the first half, there was a, a pullback and he, a pullback to the kind of the penalty spot from inside the box by a Croatia player. And he got the ball and just cleared it. And I think that's kind of what he's there for. He's maybe a player who's harder to, evaluate unless you're really keeping close track of him because he's there in the middle of the pitch to cut off passing lanes to shield he's i think his game is going to be especially in how he's working for england that kind of uh recycling the ball and positional solidity so yeah england 
England came away with a 1-0 win. Uh, I was speaking to Colin in the past, and I said to him that, you know, that that midfield pairing of Rice and Phillips, you know, you know, Mikel and Ramirez won some trophies too. Uh, fantastic. Uh, sometimes you don't need that star in the midfield, but, you know, just some blue collar workers and like what you said about Mings as well. Uh, and, you know, energy and effort drives a team just as much as, you know, skill uh, does for, uh, for tactics. Um, the Ericsson thing was insane, wasn't mm. it? Yeah. Uh, I didn't actually see it. I was driving to work at the time. Um, which I think is a good thing in retrospect because that, that is very scary. And it seemed like it was, it was even on the radio, uh, the announcer describing what was going on, made it sound like it was something brutal. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's a nervy thing when that happens and it's scary and, you know, just happy that he's okay. And, uh, hoping that he makes a full recovery. Yeah. It's very possible. He, he never plays again. Yeah. But obviously the important thing is that he's able to like live a, a, a full life beyond beyond being able to pursue his profession. Uh, but you know, maybe he can still be involved in the game if if he can't play. Hopefully again he can have a long full life and and the sort of like football community can can learn something from it yeah no there's nothing there's not much there's there's not much to say to this like it, it is uh incredibly difficult uh to speak on because like one you know we see we see awful things in sports all the time regarding injuries or uh or anything like that but that that possibly takes the cake for you know terrible things that i've seen on the pitch mm. i think we take for granted you know the you know, sometimes how people treat, how fans treat, how we treat players uh, based on based on their play uh, is almost not like not inhuman as in like, like we, we rate this, these human beings based on their performance on the pitch. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes you take a step back and unfortunately it takes a tragedy to take a step back mm-hmm. and see, you know, you know, what is the true value here? Like if Christian Erickson fell down. And there was there's a distinct possibility that he was never going to get up again, mm-hmm. um, and maybe it's uh, maybe it's just me because you know I see that kind of thing. I you you kind of reevaluate the the value of life, but there are more important things than football. And I'm really glad that uh, Christian Eriksen came up. Also, a player that I don't think anyone, I mean, not saying anyone wants to see a cardiac arrest on the pitch, which is different from a heart attack. Everyone, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, not that anyone wants to see it on the pitch, but like a more beloved player by his teammates, by by opponents, and you know you see you see the some sad photos of um, you know Schmeichel going to his wife and consoling his wife, and Kier making sure his teammates don't allow the cameras to uh, you know get their nasty shots uh, and put them in the publications because you know uh, they want to. I'm sure the cameraman have their have their own morals, but um, there's there's a certain operation that goes with these things. But uh, I think what's more important is that you know we got those photos of him awake and the message from him uh, that he's doing well and he even pushed on his team to perform. Uh, and you know he, he has people in his life that he can move on uh, and and sort this out. Uh, and in that way, you know, we can focus on the football. <laughs> I, I think as we focus on the p- football and you kind of touched on this though, it's good to keep some of that perspective. And we've sort of talked about this on the podcast before, but that perspective just where these are human beings and you need to 
treat them as such, even when they're not performing or they're on the other team that you hate, something like that. And you look at another game with another Nordic country, you've got Sweden, uh, Berg missed that open net playing against Spain or relatively open net. And they've had to start like investigating some comments that he's got online on Twitter. He's and, and (laughs) the way it was written too, you know, you imagine what that is. And to me, it read like, well, okay, this might be death threats or something. Cause they said that obviously it was harassment, but then they said, okay, we felt like we needed to actually take this very seriously. And and that just sounds like targeted maybe like, Oh, definitely. Definitely targeted could be. Yeah. But, but something that that goes beyond insult and enters into something that you must take more seriously. Yeah, I mean, we've we. It's sad how much we kind of talk about this, and it's sad how much this crops up. Um, it's happening. It's happening everywhere. And again, it's social media. Like uh, another hockey reference, but Nazem Kadri, who uh, is from London, Ontario, he got suspended for eight games for a headshot. Every playoffs, he gets suspended for something. But when his team got eliminated, his wife published uh, a bunch of DMs he got from from people on Instagram and he's, he's Muslim. So uh, there's also that. And they were very, you know, disgusting and despicable. And I mean, and that's the thing. I I feel like we're all sensible enough to understand that, you know, these guys are human beings that they are, you know, they have families and they have lives outside the sport and none of us would ever say anything even remote. Like I just, I, I personally don't understand the logic but I do understand being angry. It's just like, I feel like they're, I mean, again, it's, it's beyond angry. It is just straight hatred. Exactly, I don't understand exactly, how, when you're, exactly. when you're watching yeah. something like football or, or soccer and, and I don't know, maybe yeah. it's, maybe it's culture of the places you are, but you know, hatred doesn't drive my enjoyment of things. hundred percent. hundred percent. And and yeah. And I understand being dedicated. I understand being invested, but it's everyone just, t- you know, we're not going to solve anything on this podcast. I'm not going to solve anything by saying anything. But I mean, it's like, just take a step back here and just, you know, it's like it really in the grand scheme of things does not matter all that much. If at all, Italy's going to win the tournament. Uh, well, well, I think you found like maybe a, a way to transition away from this sort of more... <laughs> more dour topic and stuff, but so did I, I'm going to use mine (laughs) because, because one thing I just, a smaller moment I wanted to focus on before we talk about Italy's prospects is up to that Berg chance that he missed. uh, Isaac, did you see that Uh, against Spain? Fantastic. Yeah. He just, there's three defenders. He goes right in. He keeps it away from all three of them and, and squares the ball. It was like such confidence from such a young player and, and the skill what like what play amazing uh so i I think that's a a positive at least to watch and then (laughs) and how dare uh, they sub him off (laughs) did they i didn't didn't get a chance to watch this game like 60th minute or something it's like bro man come on (laughs) for like tactically or it wasn't injured well okay so i guess now we can just uh this is a transition into our spain sweden talk right because so (sighs) It was it was maybe seventy minutes, maybe not sixty minutes, but by by taking off Isaac, it was 
clear the Sweden manager thought, let's let's just hold out. Let's hold out against this Spain attack. Uh, so Isak was subbed off around the 70th minute, and he was giving he was he was giving the odd problem. They didn't have enough possession to say he was giving consistent problems to Spain, um, but he was giving the odd problem to Spain and. By subbing him off at 70 minutes, Sweden essentially said, let's sit back and let's get a result. And like, guys, you could have gotten a goal. <laughs> you could have gotten a result that way. And and Spain pushed on. In the last 20 minutes, they had a fair amount of attempts, mostly through the left side, through Jordi Alba. Um, thank goodness that Spain aren't exactly the most clinical finishers, but also credit to Sweden's goalkeeper, Olsen, who came up with a number of very good saves. Uh, let's not pretend that it couldn't have been 3-0 three, three or 3-1 three uh, if if Olsen wasn't there in front of the post. Um, but yeah, man, I love the play from Isak. It's just one match. It's just an overreaction. Um, but, you know, these are the kind of performances on this world stage where you see young players, I think he's only 21, uh, go through stuff like this. And you're like, man, there's... Like, you can always watch soccer. There's never enough soccer to watch. Yeah, because there's always, and that's kind of what I meant earlier by like it's the, the players that everyone just falls in love with, right? And from these major tournaments, and this is kind of the biggest stage. And he's only 21, so he's going to be around forever. And if he can, uh, if he can continue, because I know he plays for Real Sociedad right now, and he, I guess he plays with David Silva, and he scored a whole bunch of goals, feeding off, you know, that supporting cast. So if he can kind of guide Sweden through, um, that would be pretty awesome. And that save, uh, that Olsen save on Danny Olmo really early in the game was incredible. Based on the real-time speed of that whole play, and I feel like it was one of those instances where showing it in slow motion in the replays after made it seem like way easier than it was watching it because it was like it was such a bang bang play and and it was just you know incredible the agility do you guys have any more thoughts on spain sweden spain or who we thought they were no i was hoping that they would have more penetration and they wouldn't be doing this uh obsessive possession keeping like i was hoping that they'd be able to be a bit more creative and a bit more clinical uh with luis enrique uh, coaching the team again, as opposed to the, like the disaster of the World Cup of the Lopetegu or whatever, moving <laughs> before it started and going. Uh, but yeah, this dude. doesn't bode well. So if we're if we were going to talk about overreactions, which is one yeah. thing we wanted to talk about, yeah, you, you know, one of them might be like, yeah, Spain's exactly who we thought they were. Going to get th- three draws and drop out. I love the stats, or it's like Spain have made you know, 1200 passes to Sweden's 200 and it's like, okay, great. But like 1190, I don't know, have those passes are like one, you know, like two foot dinky, three foot Jordi Alba to, to Laporte back. Like it's, it's really like, I understand the whole like Tiki Taka building, building slowly waiting for an opening to develop, but against a team like Sweden, like that's what their, their focus is exactly on having those openings not develop. So it was just kind of like a, you know, um, an, uh, an immovable, an unstoppable force meets, meets an immov- immovable object. Jesus. I really, word salad. 
I'm just going to be quick on this. I don't think it's as bad as you guys say for Spain. I'm not saying Spain's qual is is contending for you know the the title for winning the Euros, um, but this is Sweden. We've seen this Sweden. They play four pragmatic four four two. They don't want to let people in. And you know, before they would just have Ibrahimovic, Ibrahimovic create some magic on the end of it all. Now they have Isak putting in, you know, some some great performances. But you know, uh, Spain had their opportunities. I'm just, it's it's just the finishing. It's just the finishing. It could have been three 0 Thankfully for Olsen, it wasn't three 0 I don't think it's as bad as you guys think for Spain. I don't think they're getting three draws and dropping out of the group stage. Um, Slovakia only got a win off of what <laughs> because of an own goal. So uh, <laughs> so let's so let's uh, at least for me, I don't think it's as big of a deal. Um, we're talking a lot about Spain, Sweden, uh, probably just because of recency bias. So we're talking about overreactions. Everyone thought, you know, I heard so much. Italy slander. I heard so much, so many people talking up Turkey as this dark horse uh, that they were going to give Italy trouble with this young attacking team they have, despite the fact that their striker is 35 years old. But you know, Italy, Italy looked amazing. Italy looked incredible. Uh, they played this beautiful attacking brand of football that we're not used to seeing from them. Um, they it, and it was a thorough. Uh, clinical dismantling of this supposedly great team. So my overreaction is that Italy is based on strictly the first game of the tournament, uh, based on 90 minutes of, of football in which the score could have been five, nothing because one could argue that Italy deserved uh, several penalties uh, thanks to Turkish handballs in the box that went uncalled. Uh, but that is neither here nor there. Um, the game is done and dusted, but based on 90 minutes of football, Italy is going to cruise to a win uh, in the Euros if they play like that. Uh, you know what? I have more of a grandiose prediction, but Ooh. before I do that, not grandiose <laughs> prediction about, well, here's here's the first thing that I was thinking. And it's not exactly a reaction because this team is playing later today. But I think if France do well in this tournament, then N'Golo Conte wins the Ballon d'Or which I would love to happen. That's partly like wishful thinking, but they've already won the champions league. People love him because he's, because he's great. And he drive he drives a tiny car. He's <laughs> so, a tiny man. He's a tiny man with a tiny car. Uh, and he's a fucking excellent footballer. So I think if France do well, then N'Golo Conte wins the Ballon d'Or. I also saw a stupid, stupid, like clickbaity article that was like Fabregas talks about, the nickname they had for Ingolo Conte, and it was just like Ingolino, like just like literally <laughs> okay. anyone who plays soccer, you'd be like Nickinho, yeah, like whatever. It's the it's, easiest nickname it's the to stupidest think of. Thing, yeah. Um, if, if we, if if any of our listeners ever go back to our pre-Champions League final um, podcast. Adrian's just echoing my own words with his oh. grandiose prediction. So I'm glad that Adrian has jumped on the train, the Filipino train, um, and is and is supporting our little boy, Angolino. <laughs> have you ever heard his song? No. So there's a, well, not the rap song, but they have this. Um, no, let's hear this. the rap song. Take it, take it away. Angolo Conte, ba la 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 la, il est petit, il est gentil, 
il a sauvé les récits. Mais on sait tous, c'est un tricheur, un Golokande. Uh, it's like Angolo Conte, he's small, he's quiet, he stopped Leo Messi, but he's a fucking cheater, Angolo Conte. <laughs> which, uh, which, which, upon first glance, I'm like, oh, way to throw him under the bus there. But apparently he just loves cheating at cards. Oh. <laughs> and when people call him out on it, Angolo Conte just smiles and shakes his head, and no one has the... <laughs> No one has the heart to stop them. See, so he, that's, he just he just that's wins card win. matches. Yeah, that's why he's gonna Cause, win. Because like, if if you heard about Ronaldo doing that, you'd be like that absolute that, bastard. That, that. <laughs> but then you hear about Conte doing it, and he just smiles at the end. You're like, oh, you little stinker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you. you little squirt. <laughs> yeah, you can do, oh, do whatever he wants. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, w- what a player, Nick. You brought up holy shit, what a goal. What does that mean? Holy shit. Patrick Schick. None of us picked him for the golden boot. Um, I mean, <laughs> but this man, how surprising. Very true. Uh, but yeah, this, this, this guy, uh, uh, this man scored twice against Scotland. The second uh, of his, of his two goals was uh, an exquisite left footed curler from the halfway line, which uh, he caught the keeper off his line. I'm sure, you know, Everyone's seen it by now multiple times. Um, there have been some good goals sco- scored so far. And, you know, that one, I think, uh, for me, is probably by far the best. We're only, we're not even through a full day of, of group stage games. So there's still like the whole tournament to come. But I mean, yeah. I mean, there have been some great goals. Scriniar scored a nice volley. Oh, Nick's just going to name all the goals. <laughs> Maybe not the most emphatic, <laughs> but great for uh, Slovakia. But I think Schick uh Schick for me is huge amazing really earning his nickname Shikino. okay so then off of the back of my criticism of Nick's uh Nick mentioning two goals I'm gonna mention three goals uh, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Schick's uh Schick's uh shot from halfway line they caught the goalkeeper off technically from distance and impressively I thought uh Yarmolenko uh for Ukraine his goal against Netherlands even though Netherlands ended up winning the match uh Yarmolenko he was on the right side of the pitch uh for some reason the Dutch defenders didn't close him down and he just put an awesome curler with his left foot from distance outside the box right into the corner of the net goalkeeper had no chance um the other one I was gonna mention, I'm, it's, it's not like I'm some massive Wales fan, but like, I don't know what I don't know if the same with you guys, but like, when it when a solid cross comes in yeah. and someone gets a good contact with the head and it just flies past the keeper, like it just feels good. It just feels yeah. right. Maybe because as a Chelsea fan, I haven't seen that in years. Once he scored that, I immediately went to Kiefer Moore's transfer market page and looked how much his value would be for Palace. Because yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was beautiful. Beautiful yeah, header. Textbook. Like, gorgeous textbook header. He was wearing the wrap on his head because, you know, he just got knocked in the head or something. Um, and then just, just uh, you know, maybe not a third place, but uh, just, uh, you know, North Macedonia mm. in a tournament for the first time as North Macedonia. Uh, not that Kojiko Cable Services would know, <laughs> listing them on television as the former Yugoslavian Republic of Macedonia, which is like, you know, 
I don't know, referring to the Philippines as the former Spanish colony. Um, but uh, Goran Pandev, a million years old, uh, not exactly a brilliant shot, just kind of just kind of some bumbling play led to him being able to get a goal. But it's it's a big, a big goal for a country that's not competed in the tournament before, and you know they get to fly their flag, and it's it's. Uh, it's notable for the, their their success moving forward. So I just thought that was a cool moment uh, for Pandev and for North Macedonia as well. All right, so let's keep the Euros train going with some predictions. We're going to talk about some of the games to come, starting with a, a game happening tomorrow. So that will probably happen before this episode is released. We've got the White War uh from you know just before world war ii when russia the soviet union invaded finland and this time they're coming to finland again uh so hope do you think uh the finnish have a simu haya among them oh my days um <laughs> is is a simu haya uh, a, a classification of uh military rank or something no he's a fucking sniper that killed 700 people Simu Haya? Oh, yeah. That was he Mongolian? No, no. His, his, his name's Simu? I guess. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Russia's going to win uh, because when I was looking at their squads, uh, dear to my heart, they have a 37 year old Yuri Zhirkov still on their squad. <laughs> Yep. Um, so, so off the back of off the back of that alone, Russia's got to win. I don't know, uh, one nil. No, they're going to win two one. Sorry, because isn't Pookie on Finland? He is. I just I think I have him on my fantasy team, so he's going to get a goal. Uh, Russia looked like crap, and Finland looked less like crap. So Finland's going to win one nil. Uh, that was going to be my call too for the exact same reason, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up. I'm gonna go one one each draw, which is my other sort of reaction to that. Uh, next up, we've got Ukraine versus uh, the former Yugoslavian Republic of North oh. of Macedonia. No, North Macedonia. Ukraine. Uh, they got two goals last time against a better defending Netherlands team. Uh, I think they get a two nil victory over North Macedonia. Yeah. I got to pour one out for my coworker Lazar, who is a uh, North Macedonian through and through. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, some teams have the Cinderella magic, uh, but North Macedonia is not one of those teams. And Ukraine, I think is just gonna, is gonna win two nil. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's the same scoreline as Macedonia's last game. I think they're going to lose a 3-1 again. Poor Macedonia. <laughs> Poor Macedonia. Next, we got a big one. Grudge match here. We've got England versus Scotland. I don't have a barbarous picked joke. Um, but Scotland looked dreadful against Czech Republic. Um, they didn't really create too much. Um, England... Let's give England their coming out party. 3-0. Oh, a second Culloden from Hope. Uh, <laughs> Nick, what do you what do you think? I feel for Scotland because they had they had some chances against Czech Republic and they they were they were in it until a moment of brilliance uh, unearthed them, uh, put them off kilter. Uh, so we're uh, off kilt. So <laughs> <laughs> is that what you were yes, saying? Yes, that was yes. You ruined it by explaining it. 
and I'm going to ruin my prediction by trying to explain it. Uh, England is also going to unearth a couple moments of magic uh, in a 2-1 win. I think Scotland's got a goal in them. I think so. Yeah, I, like I think Scotland's got a goal in them. Scotland, 2-1 England. I was going to say the same because I think England have it in them to concede, but let's just say it's a 2-0. It's a uh, two Raheem Sterling goals. <laughs> uh, what, about, what about Portugal and Germany? Nick, what are you seeing of Portugal breaking down Hungary right now? Nothing, man. Hungary, from what I've seen, from what I've seen, I'm watching this game as we were doing this podcast. From what I'm seeing, Hungary is having the better chances. Uh, it looks like Portugal is is kind of, you know, they're building, they're building, and then and then they lose it in the final third. Uh, Ruben Diaz is on a yellow, which sucks for them. Uh, Bernardo Silva is getting all frustrated, and they're all getting flustered. So, uh, okay, yeah. With that, um, do with that information what you will. I know what I'm going to do with it, but uh, I will. I will do with that information what I will. Um, I like the Portuguese team. It's hard to say off Germany because they haven't played their match yet, and their first match is going to be against France. So, um, how do you rate that? I give it. I give it a two nil victory for Germany. Yeah, I was going to go in the same in the same way. Uh, I'm really interested to see, you know, what Germany looks like and starting against France. I mean, that, that sucks, but Hey, get the litmus test out of the way. And I think, uh, yeah, I think Germany's going to, Germany's going to take it to them, but, uh, let's say three, one CR seven. I think, I think this is going to be a cagey game, especially because the Germans have so much pace, so much pace. So I think the Portuguese are going to be a little, I think there's going to be a lot in the first half of like feeling each other out. I think one's goal is going to decide it, and I'll, I'll give it to Germany. I think I think Portugal might might go out. Oh, as we say all that, Portugal just had a chance. The Hungary Hebrew made a great save. All right, let's let's go to Italy then, uh, Nick. Your your team, they're playing the Welsh. So we've got Kiefer Moore facing the Harvard professor. Uh, the Harvard Department of Defending. <laughs> Who said that? Was it? Um, that was Mourinho. Was it Mourinho? Yeah. Could teach defending at Harvard. I couldn't think of something less important for Harvard to teach its students. <laughs> <laughs> um, Italy. Italy looked good against Turkey. And I think Wales are at about Turkey's level. Maybe even lower than Turkey, honestly. I'm going to give Italy a two. I like two nils. They're going to have a two nil win. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the same score line. The, the Harvard Defense Committee did a great job shutting down Yilmaz uh, in the first game and basically shutting down every Turkish attack. So, I, I, I mean, maybe if this was a few years ago, I'd be more scared of Bale. But, you know, as someone who has uh, experienced a man bun for the past, like, few months, I know how distracting it can be. And he seems a bit more focused on making sure it's always as tight as possible than he is on, uh, you know, providing quality uh, on the pitch. So Italy is going to take this 2-0. I'm going to copy Hope's scoreline there. I'm going to throw in an extra goal. I think it's going to be 3-0 Italy. I don't think Wales have too much of a threat besides that six foot five striker up there, but I, Who plays I think for they're Cardiff. going to be able to contain him. Yeah, he's 28 but, and plays for Cardiff. He is a perfect yeah, Palace signing. <laughs> Bring him in. Quite a few championship players. What was Joe Allen's nickname? The Welsh Pirlo. Welsh. Everyone's the something Pirlo. Yeah, yeah, Joel that's what Alan, it was. Alanino. Damn, that's less fun than I thought it was. <laughs> no, no. Next, uh, and Nick, please uh, contain your frustration because I know you hate talking about this. 
uh, you have some sort of vendetta against the Copa America, but I think it's good to predict about it, especially because we have such a big game coming up on Friday. It's Argentina versus Uruguay. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with uh, Adrian. I don't know what Nick's vendetta is, but the Copa America is very much worth watching. Um, Argentina versus Uruguay, it's... Um, what do I know about those teams? Messi's on one team. Suarez is on the other. And Suarez is on the other. So which defense is more shit? Um, it's a question you can ask a lot of South American teams. Oh, sorry. Huge burn by me, apparently. Ronaldo, um, sorry, Ronaldo <laughs> just missed a sitter from right in front and skied it. <laughs> sorry. Oh man. Um, well, since since you thought since you saw Ronaldo miss, I'm gonna expect a messy goal and uh, Copa America, Argentina, Uruguay. Argentina is going to win two um, one. Yeah, I saw Messi. Uh scored an amazing free kick against Chile, but then they drew 1-1. And I feel like that is just the the Argentina. That is just what they're all about. And Uruguay is another good team. Uh, but we're going to go... I'm going to go with a draw, 1-1 again. I got to stop going last because I feel like Nick a few times is kind of like pipped in with the prediction I wanted. Uh, you know what? Just to keep it interesting, I'm going to say that the Uruguayans are going to are gonna steal this. They're going to take it uh, 1-0 against, uh, against Messi. Shout out to Uruguay just because I love that. Um, I think he's Uruguayan, um, but I always say it. The most Quebecois name I've ever heard in my life is a Uruguayan player named Rodrigo Bentancar. <laughs> yeah, Bentancar. So uh, shout out to shout out to Rowdy Roddy. All right, so we've got on the same day Chile versus Bolivia. I think I predict. I I thought Bolivia were a lot less than they were last time uh, last week when we did predictions, and Bolivia won three one. Um, I don't know who Chile are now. What is Sanchez? Alexi Sanchez was Chilean, right? He still is Chilean, as far as I know. <laughs> Him and uh, Arturo Vidal, I think. Are, Him Vidal, two. Kaylor Navas, right? Oh no, he's Costa Rica. Bravo, Bravo, Bravo. Claudio Bravo. He's yeah, still playing. I mean, those guys are about 52 years old each. Bolivia is coming off of a 3-1 win. Let's give Bolivia a 1-0 win. Who did Bolivia beat? Paraguay. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Your boy, Miguel Almiron, couldn't yeah, bring Miggy. it home. Is, does, does Bolivia have a talisman, or are they just kind of like a... Like, do they have one guy that we all know? I don't or... know. A lot, of their, a lot of their players in FIFA are in the free agents list. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, Bejarano. <laughs> no. Marcelo Moreno might be might be uh, just turning forty. So yeah, okay. Uh, I'll I'll have to stick to what I know, and what I know is that Chile is better than Bolivia. So we're gonna go with two nil Chile. I also had two nil uh, before you guys predicted, but then I listened to Hope and I changed it to two one. Also funny uh, at the time of all the like the South America. I've I learned this recently. Like one of the big revolutionaries when they were trying to get independence from Spain mm-hmm. for Chile, his name is Bernardo O'Higgins. <laughs> Brilliant, <laughs> fucking great. Yeah, he's half half Irish. So there was a um, there was a Bolivian military commander when they were at war with um, that might have been Paraguay, uh, but there was this Bolivian military commander who was German who represented who who was uh working for the Bolivian army and he thought that Bolivia's um the way to take advantage uh, or to to overcome uh Paraguay was to buy tanks and small tanks uh from Germany 
And it turned out once they arrive in Bolivia and they try to use it, tanks aren't particularly good at traversing mountainous terrain. Yeah. (laughs) So so they lost their like 90% of their tank fleet to hand grenades and mortars. Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Love it. (laughs) So great. Uh, Amazing. Anyways, uh, yeah. Any anyhow, um, we got. Uh, well, I was like, I have another like random ass segue, but I'm not going to use it. It's just okay. too much. It just makes me look like more of an asshole than I already am. Um, we got Colombia versus Peru. Oh, simple, isn't it? Three zero Colombia. No respect for Peruvians. None. None. At least not in soccer. Nolberto Solano. Excuse me. I'm going to say one one. Peru in with a shout. 1-1. They, they were a really gutsy team in the last World Cup. Very likable. Cool, cool kit. Uh, I still think they're gonna they're gonna go down one nil to Colombia. Uh, fi- uh, not finally. Second finally. Penultimately, we have Venezuela versus Ecuador. This sounds like a shot in the dark game for me. Um one one. What were the teams again? Uh, I'm not gonna repeat it. Just give us your prediction. Ecuador and Venezuela, you said. Maybe. Okay, one one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you were right. You were right. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, Solomon Rondon, good player. Uh, only player I know that I know from these these countries. Um, Valencia from Ecuador, former Manchester United fame. Is he still play? Enter Enter Valencia. Wait, is he Ecuadorian or Venezuelan? I think he's Ecuadorian. Yeah. Oh, Antonio Valencia. Is it Antonio Valencia? Yeah, no. yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my bad. Yeah. Tony V, as they called him. Wow. Remember those chants? Tony V, Tony V. This is not a No, sorry, chant. no, no, no. Not not Antonio Valencia. Not Manchester United fame. I got that wrong too. Of West Ham fame. Enter <laughs> yeah, enter Valencia. Enter Valencia. Enter Valencia. Oh, but I think the Manchester United Valencia was also one of those countries that apparently I just don't like, according to you guys. Do you have to say anything? Because you don't like anyone in South America, I thought. <laughs> Do you would you call the Falkland Islands the Falkland Islands or would you call it Malvinas? Probably the Falkland Islands. Oh well. It's contradictions all across the board now. <laughs> uh and finally we're we're gonna finish with going back to Argentina and they're they're playing Paraguay. Argentina, three zero. Who are they playing again? Paraguay. Paraguay. Ooh, and Paraguay got hammered by Bolivia, you said earlier, eh? They did. Okay, uh, Argentina two nil. I'm just gonna I'm gonna say that too. Two nil Argentina. Uh, there was a year when Paraguay made it all the way to the final without winning a game. Amazing! Ooh, they tied the every single game and won on, on penalties. Like pulling a homer, they pulled a Portugal. <laughs> I don't know if you guys looked at the score. Our weekly scores? Did you? No, I didn't. No, did I lose? Because there's some company at the top. Oh, Nick, Adrian, you're tied with a hundred points. Oh, century mark. Eh? I am one point behind with my oh boy. Oh Conlon has 96 and no one else has made predictions for about five weeks. <laughs> I mean, we could be putting in Richards because he just does uh, one, one, three wins for the away team every time. But... I mean, at that point, you may as well be giving those points to yourself. Yeah. Uh, so really, it's a four-man race. Conlon had a big week last week, uh, which brought him to within three points of me. He has 96. I have 99. You guys have 100. Guys, the Euros and the Copa America are probably going to decide 
um, the SGC Cup winner. Thanks so much for listening to Soccer Group Chat. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. We'll be there waiting for you to give you our weird takes that are more about vague leftist principles than actual soccer. (laughs) So please join us for that. See you next time. Hey!